Our first sermon this afternoon is from the Gospel of John, John chapter 19. We'll be looking first at verses 23 through 30. John chapter 19, verses 23 through 30. Let's pray together. Our God, how we thank you for your word. We pray that it would this day be a light to our path, a lamp to our feet. Write it on our hearts this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts. One part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word. See here in verse 30, Jesus' last words before he died, the words, it is finished. When I was younger, I think in my teen years, I would read these words and I thought to myself, that's strange because not everything is finished. We've got the resurrection of Jesus to come. We've got his ascension. We've got more teaching that Jesus is going to do with his disciples Why does Jesus say here, it is finished? Now, Jesus, in one sense, he he did obviously know this was not the end. He had told that he was going to rise from the dead. He had told that he would one day be sitting at the right hand of God in heaven. And so what does Jesus mean here? It It is finished. There are actually a lot of different nuances that this word, it is finished, Carries. It's one word in the Greek, three words in the English, one word in the Greek. The old commentator Matthew Henry says that this is a comprehensive word that carries several different implications. We know from John's gospel itself that John sometimes likes to use words that can have at least double meaning. 
Back in John chapter 12, Jesus said the Son of Man is going to be lifted up. And when he's lifted up, he will draw all people to himself. Lifted up means both he's lifted up on the cross, but also it's an exaltation, a glorification of the Lord Jesus Christ. One thing we know as we begin, as one commentator puts it, Jesus gives here in these words, it is finished, a cry of victory not a moan of defeat. Let's look briefly at three things that this word can mean and, and perhaps could mean here, and I believe probably does mean here in this passage we're looking at this afternoon. First of all, to finish simply means to complete a task. So when your children come down and, and say, Dad, I finished my homework. Can I go out and play? I'm, I'm all done. Of course, that often leads into questions like, did you really finish your homework, et cetera, et cetera. But to finish means to, to get it done, to be done with a particular project, to carry it through to the end. And for Jesus, Jesus wrestled with this end in his work and ministry. He at one point said, I have a baptism to undergo and how great is my distress until it is accomplished, the baptism being his death on the cross, this very scene. Or when Jesus, that picture of him in the, the garden when he is praying with sweats, sweating like drops of blood, if possible, take this cup from me. But now Jesus is, is finished. He's completed this task. This can also mean to accomplish. To accomplish has a sense of more than just to, to get the job done. It means to have a certain sense of satisfaction. A certain sense of, as we would say, accomplishment. In what we've done, he finishes what God had given him to do. Earlier, Jesus had prayed, thy will be done, and now it is accomplished here. There's a sense of, of satisfaction. We actually see it, in, I think, when, when Jesus bows his head, as verse 30 tells us. He's not struggling to continue to breathe, keeping his head up. He, he bows his head. He gives up his spirit, a sense of satisfaction. We read this morning from Isaiah 53. We read of the suffering servant that he shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. And in particular, what Jesus does is he dies on behalf of sinners. Many of you know the famous Rembrandt painting, painting called Raising the Cross. It's a, a scene about Jesus being lifted up on the cross and all looks normal except for one figure down at the, the bottom helping to, to raise the cross. It's a, it's a man in a, in a blue painter's beret. And as Francis Schaeffer in his 
classic work, How Should We Then Live, says that man is Rembrandt himself. It's a self-portrait. He thus stated for all the world to see that his sins had sent Christ to the cross. Last night here at this church, you all sang, and many of us from Sovereign Grace sang with you that wonderful hymn, All Holy Jesus, How Is Thou Offended? There's one verse that says, Who was the guilty? I denied thee. I crucified thee. And Jesus came to die on our behalf for our sins. Third thing that this word can mean is to fulfill. To fulfill. The things we see, especially prominent in John's gospel, is that Jesus is totally in control. Jesus is fulfilling what God had had prophesied, what God had already said would, would happen. This is not some accident. This is... Uh, not some tragic event. This is what Jesus was doing all along. Right from the beginning of John's gospel, we see John the Baptist, chapter 1, pointing to Jesus, saying, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He comes to fulfill all of these statements and all of these prophecies. We see a couple here in verse 24, right out of the 22nd Psalm, the great messianic Psalm, they divided his garments, but they did not tear his uh, tunic because it was seamless. They said this, the text tells us here, to fulfill the scripture, they divided my garments among them and for my clothing, they cast lots. We see it again in verse 28. Where we read after this, Jesus knowing that all was now finished. By the way, the same exact word, the same exact form, for it is finished in verse 30, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. That word fulfill is actually in the same family, if you will. It's a, it's a cognate of the word to finish. For Jesus to finish means to fulfill. He fulfills, of course, many Old Testament passages. From the very beginning of Scripture and the promise of from Genesis 3.15 that there will come from the seed of the woman one who will crush the serpent's head. We see it from Isaiah chapter 53. All we like sheep have gone astray. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Here we read that Jesus in verse 28 fulfills scripture. I thirst. Now while the earlier passage we we know that it comes from Psalm 22. It's not entirely clear where this quote comes from in terms of fulfilling scripture. One passage that's a good candidate is Psalm 69 verse 21 which says they they gave me sour wine for my thirst which is exactly what happens here 
There's another passage that I think we need to consider, and that is out of the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 38, where God is pronouncing here curses. He had earlier pronounced blessings for obedience, curses on his people for disobedience. And he says this, Therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger and thirst in nakedness and lacking everything. Part of the curse for God's people Israel is that they will serve the enemies in hunger, in thirst, in nakedness. What we have here is Jesus bearing on himself God's wrath, God's curse, This is confirmed elsewhere in the Old Testament, which reads, Cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree, as Jesus did here. Jesus fulfilled Scripture, and he became a curse, taking the curse that we deserve for our sins. Will Metzger, in his wonderful book on evangelism, To Tell the Truth, says this, a prairie fire was whipped along by the wind so fast that it overtook all creatures in its path. One family, seeing the impossibility of outrunning the blaze, began a backfire and then covered themselves with earth as they lay in the midst of the already burned out circle. The roaring fire met the backfire, and it burned only up to the edge of that burned-over area, then went right around it, continuing its hungry race. That family was saved. They knew the only safe place was where the fire had already burned. The only safe place for us is where the fire has already burned in Jesus Christ. There we find refuge. There we find forgiveness of sins. There we find that we do not face the wrath of God that we deserve because Christ has felt it on our behalf. It is finished. It is finished. Jesus did all that needed to be done. It doesn't depend on our working. It doesn't depend on our striving. It doesn't depend on on our good works. And this gives us great certainty and great assurance and great hope. Jesus did it all. Jesus paid it all. We are called simply to rest in Christ's finished work. Let's pray. Our Lord Jesus, how we praise and thank you that you have completed the work of our salvation. We have only to rest and trust in you. We pray, O God, that you would fill our hearts with joy this day as we reflect on the Savior who loved us and who gave himself for us. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.